0: Welcome to I Do, I Did, I'm Done, the podcast about life's challenges and how to handle them. I'm Randy Fincher. I'm a wife, mama, and a wedding planner.
1: I'm Henry Fincher, and I'm a trial lawyer. We're,
0: We're married. married.
1: All right, so today we want to talk about some of the challenges of divorce parenting. Both Randy and I have have dealt with that, uh, of course I deal with it in my practice, and we wanted to go over some of the things that, that divorce parents face and some of the things we've learned from that
0: joy joy
1: (laughs) yeah it's a hard topic it's a hard topic because it it really is tough i mean divorce is hard enough but with kids involved and and trying to make it work out good for them it's it's tough it's tough for a lot of people and God forbid somebody's in a situation where there's abuse or serious uh, issues, law enforcement issues or things like that. But just balancing the day-to-day and dealing with life and, and, I mean, let's face it, you got a divorce, the communication's not the best, right? If you could talk to this person, if you could deal with them. You probably could have stayed married. One could have stayed married to them, and so it's tough. And yet, the courts, the orders, the the people who are uh, decision makers in these cases, who many of whom have not gone through the divorce, they expect everyone to just be hunky dory and 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 almost. Um, Superhuman in their in their emotions and dealing with it. And so, how do you how do you do that in a way that protects your kids and protects your sanity?
0: I think the biggest thing is to remember always do what's best for the child. Yes. That's what I always try to yes. do. And from experience with Amelia, I always tell myself, you know. Like you said, you were divorced for a reason. You don't have to like that person, but you need to respect one another the best way that you can, even if you feel like you have no respect for them at all. And you may, and more than likely, you're not going to. But in the parent sense, you know, I never try to talk bad about Amelia's dad. If something bothers me, like I I will try to have my own private conversation with you. But I think the biggest thing is to make sure that she knows her dad loves her, and it's my job as a parent. I've always told myself I would never talk bad about him in front of her because I never want her vision of him to be swayed based on the way I view and see him. And I honestly, I can say I've done that. And is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. But when you sit and you look at a little girl, especially a daddy's little girl, I'm a daddy's little girl, you know, do I want there to be a certain type of relationship and do all Southern women feel as though no one's going to measure up to their dad? Of course they do, because that's just how we're taught, how we're raised. But I just have always told myself I am not going to do that, and, uh, and I haven't.
1: Right. And you, you hit on, I guess, a couple of things there that I see uh, in a lot of the practice that I have. Every order has a, a blanket, at least in Tennessee, has a blanket provision that says uh, the parents are not supposed to make derogatory comments about the other parent or that parent's family in front of the child. The, the reason is, of course, the child is half this other person it it can be very difficult in a couple of ways one is the the personal control right one just just holding your tongue, you know. You think this other person is a real shit monkey, and you know they've they've had a very negative impact on your life, and you need to vent. You need to talk. Well, not in front talking of the kid. to your
0: baby is is not what you need to do. Well,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is not the kid's fault. It's not the kid's problem. The kid can't solve it. And the kid doesn't need to be your sounding board. The other thing, though, and this I think is the really hard part, and this is the part that that courts. Judges that haven't been through a divorce, I don't think have a full appreciation of how hard this is. Uh, And and I don't, I don't know how they would, but I've just seen it. It's just, it seems very hard for them to appreciate. So what happens when the kid starts asking you questions? Oh,
0: that's where we're at now. Because, yeah.
1: And it's only going to get more detailed and more adult as she ages, right? You know, you're not supposed to say anything bad about the other person, but you're supposed to be honest with your kids. And so how do you balance those two things? Because being honest with the with your child, could really entail some really harsh things about this other person. So what do you do? Well, you change the subject. You soft pedal it. You deal in age appropriate discussions, um, or you just say, "I'm not gonna. You know, I don't want to say anything. Uh, you know, I don't need to talk about you, Mom and Dad. We we got divorced. Didn't the kid? I have seen the kids tend to blame themselves. Oh yeah. And so if you can reassure them, look, Mommy and Daddy had problems. Didn't have anything to do with you. We both love you. Um, you This is not something that you caused. This is, you know, whatever's age appropriate for the kid. And the younger they are, the more it's like, we both love you. Uh, The... Uh, you know, that's what matters as they get older. I mean, when they get to be teenagers, they understand human relationships uh, pretty good. You know, they know that people what people are supposed to do when they're dating and when they're not going out and what cheating means and and what, uh, you know, what society at least and their friends have modeled for them. And so it, it gets more difficult to balance the being honest with not making any mean comments I think being gentle kind and and when necessary silent is probably best long term but there's there's no good way to navigate it right there's no, no easy answer and anybody that thinks there is an easy answer it hasn't been through it hasn't tried to balance it because there are no easy answers in divorce parenting
0: yeah for me this has been well you know what happened mommy you know We've I've printed off a few new pictures to put up in our house finally, and as I've done that, Amelia has said, "Well, mommy, where's Daddy at?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, honey, you know, your your Daddy, you have your life with your Daddy, and we have our life here," and sh- and that's when she started. Oh, well, were you and Dad married? And I said, I just said, "Yes, we were." She says, "Oh, okay. Well." I, were you married to two men at once? And I said, "This like sister wives, baby. You <laughs> yes. know, no." Yeah. Uh, I said, "No, honey. I said uh, me and no, you
1: were not polygamous." Yes, so,
0: yeah. <laughs> I said me. You know, me and your dad are no longer together. And I hate to use the word broken or divorced because she's just five, and to me, that's such a, a big word and not, can yeah. be a hurtful word. Yeah, so I just say, you know, no, we're not. We weren't. We're not together anymore. And i married a Baba, and she just. Was like, oh, okay, and she says, and then you had sissy, and I said, yes. Well, then we had sissy, and she says, oh, okay. Well, when are we going to have a boy, baby? And I'm <laughs> like, well, you know, uh, working on it.
1: The well, production one, department's keyed
0: up One, that. one, one day maybe, but you know, I mean, it's it in her mind. She just had those questions, and then we I answered them the best way that I could. But then I think the hardest part is, like you were talking about earlier, a routine. And I think, Very if anything, important. that both parents need to understand. I'll, I'll never forget my my really good friend. She told me, she said, she comes from a divorced family, one of my sorority sisters. And when I went through it, she says, this is all that I can tell you. I remember the only thing that I had to hold on to was my routine. I had different toothbrushes and different clothes and different toys and you know different bedding and she said i just remember being a little girl and everything was different everywhere i went there was no consistency but the one thing that my parents did was make sure that little things that were important to me such as my bed sheets at my mom's house they were the same at my dad's house and then when i talked to my mom about what was bothering me her and my dad went out and bought the same toothbrushes to You know, at their house to make me feel normal. But she was like little things that I needed that made me feel like I was at home, made me feel better. But forming the routine of, you know, we wake up at this time, we go to school, we have this activity, you know, we do this together. Her parents got a divorce sort of like in the middle of her life when she was eight or nine. And so she did remember a few things. And that's what I tell myself for me. I think there's pros and cons to everything, but the way that I view my life with what I've been through, I just tell myself I was able to protect Amelia from so much because she never has known her father and I together. She's always known us. He has his house. Mommy has her house. And I think that that has been her normal. And I think that that's what's been very helpful for her and for me because the thought of going through and her not— you know, her going through a lot, like you said, children blame themselves. So for me, for my experience, I'm very thankful everything happened to me the way that it did.
1: Yeah. And that first example you gave about the routine, she was lucky that her parents were both able and willing to coordinate those things. That is, that is wonderful. That is also, in my experience, very rare. Typically, at least one of the parents, is a freaking know-it-all and wants to, or at least if very independent. They want to do it their way, and they're going to do it their way. And sometimes they will change things up for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's just because they don't want to deal with certain things. Sometimes it's to to curry favor with the kid because, particularly, you know, you, particularly as they get older, um, they realize they're in two different places. The kids realize they can play mom and dad against each other. I mean, kids living in the same household will do that. They'll ask mom something, mom says no, they go ask dad, maybe dad says yes, or vice versa. You know, I just, it, the kids in the same house can do it. How much more is that possible when you've got two different households with parents who have communication issues? Well, you know, it, all I can say, you know, you can't you can't make someone else be reasonable. You can't make someone else... Uh, do the right thing. No. All you can do is to do the best that you can do. Try to communicate. And, you know, share information about this is when we go to bed. This is how we do this. This is how we do that. Make a
0: timeline. You know, that's what I did. Like like you said, some people just don't want to follow it. And, I, and I've dealt with that myself. But I, I think th- the best thing that you can do for the other parent, if if it's not 50-50 or another parent has the child the majority of the time, is, yeah, you know, that a parent who doesn't get the child all the time, I think it's helpful. It's not it's by any means for me, I was not saying, Hey, this is what you need to do. It was, Hey, I just want you to know this routine. So that way it'll be easier for you to transition as this, as our child needs help with this. Yeah. And I'm- that's been the biggest key because one thing that I absolutely love to do with our girls is I, I mean, I will be exhausted and I may be reading a book with my eyes closed, but I'm going to read that book every night. And Amelia, she looks forward to that, sure. and I think you know when you have that habit and you have that routine, it it's a way that they can thrive and they feel like they own something. They have yes. something of of something that they can hold on to that's theirs that nobody can take away from them.
1: Yeah, the kids really under ten routine is is one way to keep keep everything sane, but it's it can be very difficult. Uh, one thing that I find from the lawyer side and I and I Harvard lawyer (laughs) Uh, Harvard Harvard didn't teach this one school of hard knocks here in Putnam County taught this one but having specificity having a set schedule having something that's routine so that the kid learns what to expect and not changing it up all the time it, it can really help orient a child to what is expected and what's coming next? The uncertainty is is very damaging. The studies have shown this. This isn't me saying this. This is studies that I have read and I have read about that from uh, mental health professionals. One of the most unsettling things for children in divorce is, of course, that the uncertainty. They don't know what's going to happen. Well, once. And that's part of the process. If they're living in a home and, and you're going through a divorce, there is a lot of uncertainty for the for the uh, the parties and also for the for the for the kids. But once it's if the more you can settle, the more you can set in stone, and the more you can keep it, routinized for the child. I think I think the better it is. It's easier for the people. It's like you don't have to argue and negotiate every time about what's going to happen. I mean I. When I first started practicing law, they didn't have mandated parenting plans and it was up to the individual attorneys to negotiate things out. And I mean, there were some sloppy stuff because sometimes that's all you could get people to agree to. Oh, we'll just uh, do it by agreement. Well, that's, Idiotic. You're
0: going through a divorce. You're not going to agree. <laughs> exactly. And if it's exactly. not written down, then you have nothing to fall back on. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I have fallen back to my parenting plan. Well, the parenting plan states this, you know, well, and, because and we can't is, agree. Obviously, the, because we got a divorce, <laughs> and that should
1: that should be everybody's kind of fundamentalist Bible. Once they get a divorce, that parenting plan, that order, as you're negotiating, remember that's going to become a very important document. I don't feel life. like you
0: can ever be too detailed with your parenting plan because there are, of course, there are th- I always think of about it like my dad building a house. You walk through a house and you wish you would have made the hallway bigger or you wish you would have made the closet bigger. And and again, that's just the home, the home lady in me. But I think about my parenting plan that way. I wish I would have done this different or I wish I, you know, would have, had her back at this time on this. And I look at it now and I'm like, maybe we can work things out and we can agree. But nine times out of 10, people can't do that.
1: And there there comes a point where you can't have everything down. But the more you have set out in the plan, the the easier it is for everybody to know what the fallback is. Now, if there's a reason to change, and this this is gonna sound like it contradicts what I just said, but it's really it's a, it's a, it's a supplement to it. Flexibility is important because maybe there's uh, the kids have something that night. They have a dance practice or a ball game or they have something going on and and it doesn't make sense to go by the plan that was developed before any of these things happened, particularly if it was years and years ago. Well, flexibility is important. um, Fairness, but you can only be flexible with somebody who's willing, who's also flexible and you can only be reasonable with somebody that's going to be reasonable. And so, that's, that can be the problem because there are a lot of unreasonable and flexible people out there. There are also people who are takers. There are people who they will take and take and take and take and they won't give anything back. If you're in, dealing with someone like that, then in divorce parenting, you can only give if you also receive, or else you'll end up doing all the giving. Or like a marriage, how taking. your marriage
0: was, how you just gave and gave and gave and take and take and take. You know, that's, for me, that's what I remember going through. Is like, if, you know, you give an inch, they want a mile. And so I think that it's important to understand creating those boundaries, following the plan the best way you can, rolling with the punches when you have to. But, like I said, you got divorced for a reason, but with with everything that we're discussing the main thing that I tell myself and I tell my girlfriends who are going through a divorce, I just say, you can't polish a turd. And (laughs) it just, that's That's what I tell myself. I just can't polish a turd. And you
1: can't fix stupid. No. That's the other thing. Or as my daddy says, if breathing
0: went automatic, some people would suffocate. (laughs) And so you just have to understand you always need to do what is best for the child. For example, Nellie's birthday's coming up. Her party's this weekend. I've told her dad about the party. I called her grandma and I said, hey, I want you to know that you're invited. I hope you can make it. I reached out to his sister. You're talking about his mother. His mother, yes. My ex-mother-in-law. Which is funny because we get along better now that uh, I've divorced her son than when I when I was married to him. But but
1: that's the in laws can help. They can make real efforts to either they can either add to the problem or they can they can help kind of smooth the waters. In some situations, if, if you're an in-law and you're listening to this, think about it because, sure, you want to take your baby's side, right? I mean, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's, that's my kin that have been done wrong, and maybe they have. But at the same time, how am I going to deal with it? Once the initial anger and outrage and hurt and all that passes, then you can think and talk in terms of what's best for my grandchildren.
0: Well, my mom has always bridges, said— right? That yeah, you love your kids, but you love your grandchildren so much more, and so I do think it's important that I will always think of this. I think of Jeffrey Dahmer, and oh, I what?
1: <laughs> a true example of good divorce parenting. What your problems? Let me you know? tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Your what, what I are mean you by about? what I mean by that? Please. I was telling <laughs> <It's> like this. <laughs> I was, I was not expecting Jeffrey Dahmer in this. <laughs> what I, mean? I was going to say, Jeffrey Dahmer, to come out of your mouth, but that would sound really bad. So, <laughs> God. Yeah. yeah. What I
0: mean by that <laughs> is, I have we're talking about in laws. Yeah. I have seen so many people that, for for my experience, because I feel like I'm, you know, we're doing this podcast, I'm going to talk about what I've experienced, but. With what I went through, I would I would remember telling my friends I was like, you know what, I would believe if they thought my ex husband was Jeffrey Dahmer and his parents were on the other side, they were like, oh, you know, he's a killer, but he's my baby and I love him, <laughs> you know, or good job, way to kill him the right <laughs> way, you know, you know. But yeah. I mean, like,
1: yeah, I, can, I, parents can excuse parents a can lot also
0: have a have you know. Yes, they like you said they love they love their child, but I think it's important to understand they don't need to love the act of what they have done. And for my family, with what I've experienced, my parents being a coach's kid and a beauty has been beauty queen's child, my parents have always said, you always need to admit when you're wrong and try to fix it. And, you know, whether that might be now being married to you, snapping at you or, you know, Just not doing, not trying, not handling something the right way. I think it's. Whatever
1: do you mean? You do nothing wrong, dear.
0: I'm an angel from up above. I just want you to know that. (laughs) But I think it's important for people to understand, and especially in laws, that they need to understand that there is a little child that they are shaping their minds and molding them and their their baby, their child is the one that's in charge of doing that. And so you're an in-law and your child has gone through a divorce. Your number one goal is to make sure your grandchild is mentally stable, emotionally stable, and you need to want to have better. Everybody wants better for their children. Yeah. And if your ch- son or daughter has made a mistake or something didn't work out and they have kids, just be there to love on them and support them. Don't overbear them. Don't go crazy. Just oh, be an ear. As my daddy says, God gave us two ears and one, two ears to listen and one mouth to talk. So just remember to be an ear when needed and only give advice when they ask.
1: I've seen a lot of uh, in-laws that make it worse. They'll run down the other person in front of the child. They they don't they don't because they're not bound by the court order. It says no derogatory comments. They they just lay loose with whatever they think or feel, and that's very hurtful and damaging, particularly to younger children. But really, any age, the kid doesn't need to hear that. So, everybody in the family can play a part and a role in helping to heal or helping to hurt. Yeah. And that's really the choice. And so, the more a per, the more a parent can protect their kid, or a grandparent can protect their grandchild from the hurt, the better off it is. So, for, always, the old rule: first, do no harm. And I
0: right? always say, you know, no one walks on a from a wedding planner standpoint. No one walks down an aisle expecting that they're going to have to walk down another aisle to go get a divorce. Yeah. You know, so always remember that the little child that you've created was at the best moment or after a Justin Timberlake concert (laughs) in my case, Um, but that that that, that child is in your life for a reason and that you hope that they are the best version of what your spouse used to be because you married them for obviously for a reason and you loved them at the time. So I think it's important to remember that you need to make sure that you're being positive and you're... um, one thing that I never do is I never make promises for my ex-husband because with he's a pilot, with his schedule, things can change. So one thing that I do is she'll, for example, this weekend, she'll say, Mama, is he coming to my party? I'm like, you know, honey, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how the schedule goes. Because I, will, I also made a promise to myself with all of this. I'm never going to go out of my way to make promises to my daughter on his behalf because he broke his promise to me. And so I always said that if I'm going to make a promise to Amelia, it's going to be from me. And if he is going to make a promise to her, it's going to be from him. And I think it's important, like you said, to be positive. But like I said, sometimes it's just hard to polish a turd.
1: (laughs) I think that's true. On the way out, did I ever tell you about my friend that had dinner with, with Jeffrey Dahmer? What? You never heard this. Yeah, I had a friend. Are had, you?
0: Is this a joke?
1: No, and I, would I joke about something so serious? He had dinner with Jeffrey Dahmer, and I asked him. I said, "I said, how was it?" He said, "It was great. I had a ball." All right. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. We, with that last joke accepted, we hope that maybe you've got something that you or a family member can take away from this and, and use to heal or, or help parent a little bit better. If you like what you hear, hey. Uh, rate us high on your podcast app give a great review give us five stars if you didn't like what you hear don't tell nobody nothing